Hello and welcome to this special bonus episode of The Dairy Edge. Chagas are running a weekly Let's Talk Dairy webinar series, which is also being made available as a podcast. On this week's webinar, as part of the Once a Day conference, Stuart Childs and Brian Hilliard speak to Once a Day dairy farmer Michael John Delaney about his move to Once a Day milking and why it works for his farm. Just give you a quick outline of my farming story so far and how a change of system has pretty much uh, probably changed uh, my outlook and uh, perspective on dairy farming. So obviously, as I said, uh, my name is Michael John Delaney. I'm farming outside Durham in the county of Leash. So just to give a big introduction um, to uh, what I'm doing here. So I'm home farming since 1996. Um, I came home to a relatively traditional farm of the area, approximately 100 acre farm with uh, 25 cows, raising all calves to beef. We had 30 early lambing yews and we grew about five, six acres of barley for our own use. And obviously when I came home, I realized that I needed to concentrate on the dairy side of the business. So gradually over time, I built up cow numbers and got rid of other farm enterprises. So by 2011, 2012, we were running 90 cows, keeping 20 calves, 20 replacement heifers on approximately 100 acres. But obviously the reason I'm here is because since 2013, I've been milking those same cows once a day. And over the next couple of slides, I hope to explain how my journey um, to get to the point of today um, went along. So just to start, just to show you, just to talk about what I have on site at the moment. Currently farming 45 hectares of land. Um, I have 100 um, black and white cows to calve down in the spring. They're a combination of Holstein cross British Frisian cows. This is a kind of medium to clay soil type around here. So it kind of gets me a first week of February, first week of November grazing season. It's quite a fragmented farm, as you'll see from a future slide. Um, got a bit of walking and there's a bit of up and down as well uh, out there. Since 2019, I've uh, started contract rearing out my heifers. So now this is strictly just a cow farm. So it makes the operation of the farm a lot more straightforward. Physically on the farm, I've got a 10 years herringbone parlor and I've got 120 cubicles. And I would hope in the next 12 months or so to hit a target of 110 cows to maximize the ground a bit better. So obviously, in a word, so this is a little map, small bit of artwork uh, last night, but basically the purple are fields. Obviously there's a lot of internal divisions taken out now. There's not that many ditches. The little red dot is the farmyard. As you can see, it's nestled right there in the corner of a four crossroads. The black lines are public roads and the green lines, I hope you can see them, are public laneways that I've used down through the years to get cows access to different fields throughout my time. So obviously, up to 2011, 2012, you're thinking, I've got a relatively straightforward system. Why would I need to change it? But that is what I did. And the reason I did, as you can see from the map, is that it was a whole combination of a lot of little things kind of came together. I didn't have one particular moment. That public road was deteriorating quite badly over time. It was the road surface, road surface was quite poor. There'd been quite an increase in road traffic in the area due to the boom of the economy and also a lot of new one-off houses. And obviously, of course, by default, as I increased my cow numbers, I started reaching on the next field and the next field to increase my milking platform to give the cows more access to grass. And obviously, I got better at grass because I got to have longer grazing seasons as well. So I needed more ground. That by default then, of course, led to quite an increase, I suppose, put a lot of pressure on cows in terms of both cow fatigue and cow lameness. In 2011 and 2012, 
um, but 68 and 70 of those 90 cows had actually had to be hoof paired during the season. So again, that too, along with the walking, led to quiet working days because you're working around traffic, etc. And to be honest, um, by 2011, 2012, the buzz had really kind of got out of the job for me. I felt I was doing lots of work, but not really making lots of progress. So what happened? So I attended, I ended up on a farm walk in October of 2012 on the farm of Michael Wall and his daughter Gillian and her husband Neil O'Sullivan in Dungarvan. And I suppose that really was my eureka moment when I realized that there was another way to milk cows. And I thought that's a system that might actually work for me. So I decided that next season come around, that's what I do. So cows started calving in spring 13. Uh, I chickened out, I couldn't do it. Um, put the cows out to grass, just carried on as normal. Then kind of ran into March, cows started to get lame again. And I thought I really couldn't stomach another year of it. So I was doing 12 hour blocks at that time. I went up to get the cows at four o'clock, but instead I took down the tread, gave them their evening allocation of grass, turned around, walked home. And although I looked back a few times as I walked, at, walked home, the cows said grazing and I said walking. And really after that, then there was really no going back and the decision was made. So obviously I've tweaked milking times and different, that, different things over the year, but now my, I try and be milk, start milking by about 7.30 in the morning because I need to be off the road by about 7.15 because at that stage traffic is just picking up too much and you're just getting to too much trouble. At peak milking, it takes about two and a half hours to milk those 10 rolls. Uh, typical day, now it has a lot of, it varies a lot for me, but up to dinner time, I have all my dairy jobs completed. So the afternoon then is, is left to me then to do other jobs around the farm. But, it, but once a day has given me great flexibility to um, finish when I need to on different days. It's a quick snapshot of cows, um, what they look like. So obviously figures, that's pretty what everybody wants to hear about really when they ask about once a day, what have you got? So obviously, as you can see, 2013, I think the most important line for everyone is line four. Cages and milk solids in 2013 fell to 290 kilos. They had been 375 in 2012. But as you can see, for the last three years, I've been kind of running, touching off 400 kgs of milk solids. So the cows have bounced back. It's also probably a reflection, the slight change of emphasis on uh, breeding. I'm now breeding um, more Alzheimer's regions with a greater emphasis on milk solids and fertility. So you can probably see the general rise, of course, from milk fat and protein percentages there from left to right. It's also on the rise. SEC is held quite solid for me. I think it's quite happy with it. It's a good number for me. Herd EBI, again, similar, probably just a reflection of the breeding in the herd. Because I'm breeding from within the herd, probably the transition is a little bit slower than maybe some people would like. But the last number of years, um, it's starting to come through quite strongly. And the most important line really from here for everybody really is six week calving rate. That has improved immensely. I'm bobbing in around 85, 90% most years that's up from about 50% in 2011 2012 and that those figures there are really allowing me to have the kind of production performance that I'm getting on this farm and this is just a little snapshot of the cows of the overall herd for herd EBI as you can see um, overall milk is not huge at minus 54 but I think there's quite a good ratio 
30 euros for milk and 79 euros for fertility. That's a reflection of the cow breeding. Overall, you'd be like 135. Probably this shows better. These are the 26 girls that are going to calf down next month. So as you can see, the breeding has kind of come through. Milk has definitely increased. There's plus almost 14 kilos of protein butterfat. Um, milk EBI is around 50 euros, but still a good emphasis on fertility, holding up there at 80 euros. Their EBI 169. So realistically, I think I'm probably sitting on a lot of potential that I probably haven't realized just yet, but I think it's it will show, show through very shortly. Financial performance, again, a bit of a bugbear for everybody. Um, six, 700 euros per cow. I'm quite happy with this performance. Um, I think the system makes plenty of money. 2018, obviously, was a year um, of extreme weather for people. I think it just highlights the fact that the system was actually quite resilient, even in a tough year. Uh, milk solid, milk uh, co-op price, 38, 37, 39. And that just reflects the higher protein fat percentages that I probably have. So I'm constantly running a couple of cent higher than the, the general co-op. Sure. Um, so, so anyway, so generally to summarize, um, what would I say? That, look, in my journey, um, I didn't change over the most fantastic herd of cows. It was a relatively straightforward herd at the time. Um, and I would say, listen, everything that I've done is attainable. But as you've seen from Emer's slide earlier, you still have to concentrate on all the little things. That takes a lot of hard work to get to the point of where you want, where I am now. You know, without a doubt, I think a good twice a day cow can easily be a good once a day cow. But you've, as I said earlier, and as Emer has said, um, you've got to concentrate on your milk solids and your fertility. You cannot drop the ball there, and you've got to concentrate. I think on high EBI stock. It does reflect itself in my performance and my figures down through the years. Because I'm the reason I've actually got selected to speak here is because obviously I firmly believe that a black and white cow has definitely a role to play in a once-a-day system. And I think once-a-day offers fantastic flexibility um, for both farmers and farm families, you know, both professionally and personally, you know, I mean, without a doubt. Um, and as I said, like for me, it's been an absolutely life-changing experience. I think about farming differently. I make plans differently, just that the buzz is back in the job. And I do appreciate that not once a day and full once a day milking is not for everybody. That maybe it's just a little bit, you dip in, dip out. But I would just say that don't dismiss it. I'm not naive to think that every household would be, and every member of every household would be totally in love with the fact of people suggesting they want to go once a day milking but I wouldn't dismiss it or are part of it at any stage. And to be honest, if anyone listening today is thinking about changing, I'm that voice in your back of your mind saying, go and do it. You know what I mean? Um, so listen, that's been my presentation. Um, quick snapshot of cows, just out of curiosity, if it does show up, this is one of the nearest paddocks right at the road and that little strip of green under that wooded area, that's the farthest away paddock if you can make it out. So that's kind of a father Ted moment of near and far away. You know what I mean? Um, I'd like to thank you. Just I'd like to make a few thank yous just to, for this morning. I'll just, on behalf of myself and my once a discussion group, I would like to thank 
uh, Brian Hilliard, our drugs advisor. He's been our go-to man for the last number of years. So I want to say thanks to Brian for all his work. Um, I'd like to thank my own once discussion group uh, for all their positivity and enthusiasm throughout the years. And finally, I'd like to thank uh, Pat Mullen, my own drugs advisor, for putting together today's slideshow for me. So thank you very much, everybody. Um, I hope I wasn't racing through it too much for you. But if you have any questions, fire them at me, and I'll do my very best to answer them as best I can. Uh, Michael John, uh, I compliment you on such an excellent presentation. Um, you are so clear, and, and uh, it's so easy to follow. You're getting a great picture of what you're doing. Uh, it's now your ninth year going into one day milking, and um, uh, and not just uh, on the physical side of the farm, but also give the human story side of it, which which is a uh, which uh, happens to be important to a lot of people um, and, and maybe the reasons for going once they making as well. <clears throat> now, we've a lot of questions as, as I expected. Um, I suppose just to recap there again, on, on your ICBF, it will then be a report up to the end of November, January, November 2020. You've delivered 390 kilos of milk per cow to the co-op, um, which is pretty close to the overall average of all suppliers to Glenbea. Uh, would, be, would be obviously the major, vast majority of making twice a day. So that's an excellent performance. Uh, and you achieved that with a, with a 471 fat and a 384 protein. And also you have five centiliter extra over the average mix supplier because of your higher fat and, and protein. Uh, that five cent actually is quite is worth quite a lot and it helps to bridge the, any gap that's there behind the yield of twice a day and once a day. Okay, um, just, some, um, just some questions now there for you. Uh, in the beginning, Michael John, was there was there um, a higher calling rate due to cell count, the CC? Um, surprisingly, not uh, Brian. It was quite unusual. I was looking at it last night. The numbers. Uh, my cell count in 2012 was actually 205, and my cell count in 2013 was actually 206. Um, in a weird way, I think actually um, the layout of my farm, I actually took an awful lot of pressure off cows. Um, with all the walking and the lameness, you know what I mean, on them. So I think that probably could have attributed to um, help, help on the SEC front. Um, after that, um, I would have, I don't have, I haven't called anything more unusual than anybody else. You know what I mean? I've just taken, you know, I mean, I, in the past, I wouldn't have concentrated as much on um, calling for mastitis and bacteria because for simple reason that if a cow could walk, I had to keep her, regardless of what trouble she was giving me. So um, I didn't really have the choice. Um, but no, it, it's, it hasn't been any worse than anybody else. I didn't call anybody deliberately for cell count craze in the first year or two, I don't think. No, just natural, what everybody else does naturally, actually. Very good, Michael John. Um, uh, another question here is, what is the head's replacement rate? Uh, generally, I've been keeping uh, about 20% uh, replacement rate. I've was only able to keep about uh, up to 2019, only able to keep uh, 20 heifers anyway on the farm due to um, nitrogen soccer because obviously I had stopped it predominantly with cows. So I was limited to only having 20 heifers, which is about 20, just over 20% on a 90 cow herd for such a long time. I only got the, my land area only increased in 2016 from 38 hectares to 45. And obviously only in the last two seasons have I been able to contribute out to heifers. So that has allowed me to keep more heifer calves because I can give them to the contract rare than I normally have. 20% um, is a reasonable uh, replacement rate, I think. Obviously, I probably 
could do with a little bit. You could take a little bit more, but then I hadn't done the same work um, before I changed over in terms of maybe uh, mastitis and cell count. And obviously, of course, the other trick is I'm also changing, not only am I changing cow system, but I'm also changing my cow breeding sit, my cow type. So to change two things is probably a lot to change over. So you probably could take a few more replacements, but I probably nursed a few cows along the way that maybe other people wouldn't, but you probably could take a 25%. You could have 25% efforts there just to give you the option, especially if you're doing two jobs, which is changing cow system and cow type. Very good. That's, that's excellent. Yeah. Um, I, 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 you did say there, I know that you, you started off back nine or 10 years ago, you had a, a very much a British region type cow. So you have, you have made strides, uh, Put more milk in that herd, I suppose, uh, and, and maybe been down cow size a bit also. So and obviously you're getting there with the yields you're now getting. Um, just to, uh, maybe just to quite a, have it there, a quick question back for Emer as well. Give you a break there for a second, Michael John. Um, Emer, uh, will late lactation once a day be viable in the context of selective dry cow therapy, <coughs> therapy coming down the tracks? And was selective dry cow therapy carried out on any of those cows, any, any of the once a day cows in last autumn 2020. Yeah, so those cows are actually um, assigned to another trial as part of Claire Slabby's PhD. Um, some of them are getting selective dry cow therapy. Some of them um, are getting antibiotic therapy. So we'll, we'll know the answer to that, um, I guess, you know, in, in, in the coming year. Very you good. know, it's a good question. Okay. And uh, just quickly on that, just finishing that one, uh, we'll, what's the cell count of 344 in 2020? Um, will antibiotic legislation come? Will mass size be an issue with, with that level of cell count and and, um, and the new antibiotic legislation that's coming into effect next uh, next this time next year? Yeah. So within within the herd, there were um, there, there were cows that that like say when they started off their 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 once a day life, like coming from a twice a day herd, they did have. Um, um, you know, maybe a slightly higher cell count. So they they actually have been called from the herd. We're going to repeat this um, study. So we're doing a third year of the once a day milking um, this coming year. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens in terms of um, the cell count this year. But like, you know, the, the cows that we've chosen, we didn't specifically choose them for um, like low cell count or for once a day milking. They were just general twice a day cows that were available to us and um, that weren't specifically chosen for, for the once a day herd. Very good. Thanks, Seymour. Uh, Michael John, back to you again. Um, Michael John, the question, uh, was there much peer pressure on you or do you feel much pressure on you uh, to start once a day? Maybe... Someone like to say, what, what would the neighbours say about you if you were making once a day? Did you find that much when you started at nine years ago now? Absolutely right, yeah. Um, everybody, had a, I suppose everybody had an opinion. Um, not everyone obviously probably said it to me. Uh, but yeah, it was pretty obvious um, from talking to other people. I was definitely the talk of the countryside uh, by far. Um, but surprisingly enough too, a lot of people because who have seen the layout of the farm um, didn't think it totally unusual, even though it was an unusual system for people to get their heads around. Um, they kind of, they certainly seen the justification um, for my reasoning. But yeah, you're go if you're going to go once a day, um, you're going to have to be willing to take a lot, take a lot of questions, and uh, certainly be centre of attention by far. Very good, very good. Uh, just looking at your last uh, slide there on the on the cows out in the field, uh, I just talked to you yesterday. 
quality grass looks uh, it's like somebody nearly eat yourself it's so good there have you have you done much uh, work over the years in in training yourself to to get the right covers of grass that cows go into yeah um without doubt brian i think it is i mean it is all that boring stuff you could say now at this stage that when you go to chugs meetings and you, you listen to advisors and they go yo get the grass right do you know what i mean uh concentrate on the breeding but yeah it, it, you do have to get almost a little bit anal about it because um it does make a huge difference you know what i mean and especially at once a day because obviously as Emer said you want to get one chance in the day to actually decide more or less what you're doing and also i think uh once in a cows um definitely respond well to good grass but at the same time i think they do probably take a hit uh maybe more disproportionately if you don't get the grass right you know what i mean good. yeah okay excellent just a, a quick question here for myself about have, have I any have we any financial data comparing once a day and twice a day income? Um, every year at the, at the conferences in the horse and jockey, we always uh, um, uh, cover that topic, uh, the income side of it. Um, so look, uh, I think uh, if we want to hit, uh, take a 20% drop in milk solids um, yield in the first year, you're obviously going to suffer a, a drop in income. And I'll ask Michael John himself in a minute. Uh, but so, will you take a 15% drop in income then? I don't think you will because there are some savings, like um, maybe long term savings as well. You'll have more heifers or cows going back in calf for the, for the next lactation. Uh, you have um, a bit less lameness, better fertility. Uh, you'll also have some slight savings in electricity costs and uh, milking powder detergents and so on. But uh, you're going to take a drop, no doubt. And I would always warn that if you're going to go switch over to once a day milking. Uh, your financial side of your, your, of your system would want to be in order. Um, if you're highly bothered, obviously you can't afford to take a 15% drop in income or thereabouts. It will vary from farm to farm, depends on how much preparation one puts into it in advance of, of, of switching over to once a day. Um, just talking to George Rams behind there yesterday, George has a number of um, profit margins in for this year on the twice a day, and I think uh, the average uh, net profit there would be around 700 euro. Uh, cow, I think might, you mentioned that I might lose just over 620 or something there for uh, 2020. So that, that's just a difference, uh, a quick difference there. But the one thing I'll say is that the longer you stay at once a day making, I reckon it take about four or five years to get back up somewhere close uh, to what your income was on, um, on twice a day. I know Emma there mentioned maybe two or three years. Um, I think it would take that bit longer. But... Uh, you know, it, it, uh, it just takes a lot for that much time because the longer you stay, uh, you're calling out the cows that, that are not super once a day and you're going to keep breeding from the ones that just suit. So that would be our answer. And we, we'd always say, carry this as a warning, uh, be careful about going to once a day if you have, a heavy, if you have high borrowings. Um, Michael, John, what, 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 as regards income in your case, uh, what do you think, how does it affect your income that much? I think, but look, obviously, 2013, uh, your first year once a day, um, it's it's going to catch. It's going to there's going to be a drop there. I mean, I myself like had a 23% drop in in milk solids, but at the same time, um, that is probably offset by the fact that I obviously I halved my milk my ration feeding that year, and obviously there was definitely a reduction in electricity costs, which were two of the obvious ones. I mean, I know there's also detergent and little things like that. I think if you're changing, if you want to change over, physically, you'd want to be cover able to cover all your bank repayments um comfortably at the moment you know what i mean before you could actually probably consider um going once a day because other than that it, it's just it could get a bit too tight if anything unforeseen um did arise 
Yeah, but you're you're obviously happy enough. You're happy with the income you have, and, and absolutely. Uh, what I'm doing now um, uh, is uh, a very good income uh, by far. And um, again, there's probably a lot of stuff that probably can't be quite quantified on the on the cost control planner. That yes. is too. Yeah, very good answer. Uh, if I just maybe leave you there with uh, just uh, I was like looking through recordings and all that, and I just a quick look at yours last night. I just went to see what the high ceiling cow what she did delivered in 2020. Um, she was a co-op of GXY uh, by TIH and uh, she delivered to the, yes, this is on your micro calling now, she uh, produced 659 kilos of mixed soils last year, which is a massive yield for any cow net to mind on, on once a day. And she had uh, just over 200 day lactation and uh, she, was a, she was a fourth lactation last year um, and she had 493 fat and 411 protein. So uh, she had a high side counter right, 279, but um, she, she's, uh, she's an exceptional cow. As a matter of interest, uh, Michael John, what can that type of cow? What, what is she like physically to, to milk and, and other type? Um, I think uh, physically as a type of cow, um, she's a lovely cow. Um, obviously, um, look in my when I was breeding British free twenty twelve, I did put a lot of emphasis on um, linear scoring and things like that when I was uh, selecting bulls. So even though I was milking twice a day, I was putting a lot of emphasis on. Um, other strength, uh, rump weight, you know, and even and good feet and legs, which I think probably have stood to me in my transfer over to once a day, because obviously once a day puts a lot of pressure on uh, others. Um, like, I mean, I'd have a, maybe a dozen cows there this year who would have probably peaked in the mid-30s litres um, in their peak years. That's a lot of milk to be carrying in, in, in the bag. Um, overall, her milking speed is quite good. I mean, I'll say her a little bit high, but yet she's not a troublesome cow uh, by any means. Yeah, and all the, and I'll just come to this minute and I finish off on this. Uh, that cow also had a very high EBI of 198. And I just had a quick look there um, of the highest EBI cow in your herd. And the highest EBI cow in your herd is a, an EBI of 227. She's a first calver. She actually delivered, she produced 395 kilos of mixed size last year, right? Lost to 400 kilos in her first lactation. And she only had a set count of 67,000. Um, and she had 501 fat and 414 protein. So the point I'm just coming to the end, it's been asked this previous years about uh, bull selection and bull type, and I think it has been covered in previous conferences. Generally, you, you go uh, try and pick the, the, the higher EBI bulls, and within that, then you'll be looking at things like, uh, I suppose, uh, other, others and, and suspensory ligament and his uh, resistance and so on. But uh, so look, the EBI is, seems to be working, um, and, and I'm and that's uh, good to know. That's all for this week's Let's Talk Dairy webinar series. And don't forget to look out for more bonus episodes each week. I'll be back with our usual Dairy Edge interview on Monday, so do listen in then. I'm Emma Louise Coffey, and thanks for listening.